0: Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here with a brief little bit of business before today's very exciting uh, guest episode. All right, guys, it's happened. It's official now. The Film Alchemist is on Patreon. We have begun the process of building a community over there. We would love for you guys to come. We have multiple tiers. Um, So for As little money as you can, or as much as you want. Hell, we're not going to turn you away. If you got a bunch of money you just need to give to someone, we're there too. Um, But whatever you feel comfortable donating, we would love to have you guys join us over there. We're going to have so much fun stuff to help build this community. Also, you can hand select episodes that you want us to cover. Um, You can take more ownership of the content over there. And me and Alex are going to bust our asses to make sure that every dollar that you spend over there is well worth it. Um, So we have tons of fun stuff over there. It's going to be a great time. So you can find our Patreon. We're Film Alchemist. It's also on all of our social accounts. You can find the link there to come join us. We appreciate so much what you guys do for us. Um, We cannot wait to take it to the next level. If you could take a second right now and also leave us a rating and review, a five star, a couple sentences about why you like us. That's a great way for us to fight the algorithmic overlords. Get that boulder off the arms and ascend. You know, on the floodwaters to the, uh, the podcast promise land, as it were. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can email the show filmalchemistbot at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media you're on. These are all great ways to get a hold of us and let us know the movies you want us to cover. Be they new, old themes, guest host, whatever. If you want to hear about it, let us know, guys. I promise, even if I haven't been able to get back to you or we haven't been able to record the episode, I promise I have it on my master list. Or again, go to Patreon, force our hands. That's the easiest way to guarantee you get your episode now. All right, guys, that's enough business. Today, I'm so excited to discuss 127 Hours, starring James Franco, directed by Danny Boyle. Now, this film was selected by our new friend, Lucy Buglis. She is a tomato meter approved critic. She's a writer. You can find her writings at lucygoes to hollywood.com. And now she's even a podcaster. Uh, she has a podcast called TV Time, which is delightful. I'll have all the information in the show notes and details. So make sure you find Lucy, show her some love, uh, follow her. You're going to want to. So I've been a fan of her for a while. So I asked if she'd come on the pod and she selected this movie that I remember being very heavy and oppressive. And I don't know if it was just good company or I saw something new in the film that I hadn't seen before, but it's actually a much more optimistic movie than I remember. Don't get me wrong. It is crushingly brutal at times. Um, But, you know, I think, again, having Lucy along stuck in the canyon with me, she was so much more than we expected. She is charm personified. Her insights into the film, her passion for this film were really um, fun to get a dive into. But again, she was just charming i can't i can't say enough good things about lucy and we can't thank her enough for fitting us into uh her busy schedule and coming to talk about this absolutely awesome movie so without further ado 127 hours with our new friend lucy Bugless. enjoy Guys, we are lucky enough to be joined today by our new friend, uh, Lucy Buglis. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh, man. And you picked an exciting one to talk about. Uh, before we get going here, would you like to introduce yourself briefly and uh, let everyone know where they can find you online and what you're working on?
1: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Lucy Buglis. I am a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic. Um, I have my own blog. It's um, Lucy Goes to hollywood.com. Um, and I also write a bunch of other things on Jump Cut Online and I've, I I do a lot of genre stuff. I like horror so I'm on, I'm on places like um, Love Horror, Google's Magazine, that kind of thing um, and I've also started a podcast in lockdown hey! <laughs> called, called TV, <laughs> TV Time where I, um, I drink tea and talk about TV <laughs> with people. Um, what a great it's idea. Been, it's been, <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's been lovely because like it's kind of what we do in lockdown anyway um, so it's been nice just getting people sort of you know getting getting people out to talk about their favorite tv shows it's a really nice experience because i've discovered shows i didn't even know existed and that's really nice yeah um, right i had a guy on recently who did um mystery science theater 3000 i didn't even know what that was oh really <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then now i'm 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 hooked on it so yeah um yeah that's that's basically what i do i'm just a writer and a podcaster basically yeah
0: well awesome uh okay so today we invited you on because yeah i found you via twitter and i Mm -hmm. loved all your stuff uh and so yeah we asked you to come you were nice enough to come and so would you like to tell everyone the movie you selected today and why this movie
1: sure so i have chosen 127 hours um by danny boyle um i chose this because number one i'm a massive danny boyle fan um Mm -hmm. i I love his other projects like like shallow grave and train spot and things like that um and i (sighs) this really had an impact on me when I first saw it because I saw like the trailers and it was kind of, you know, it really, really just punches you immediately because it's a tale of real life survival. Um, and I was a big fan of um, films like Touching the Void and that kind of thing. And I was kind of like, Oh, cool. So that this guy was was stuck in a canyon. Okay, I, I, I want to learn more. And then I just, I was mostly kind of captivated by just how good James Franco is in this. Mm -hmm. um because we've seen him in like more comedic roles obviously you know he's very sort of you know he's a a bit of a joker he's not you know he has his moments in this but it's mainly a very very serious film um and I just think as a sort of a study into one main character it's it's an incredibly well put together piece and of course you do have one of the most gruesome scenes in in cinema history (laughs) if I could be be as bold to to put that out there um but no I just think it's wonderful um one of my like top like probably top 20 films <laughs> i have a long list but it, it changes right yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe the top 10 maybe the top
0: 10 yeah right no it it. what i was struck by because i remember seeing it on the big screen and especially mm. james franco at the time you're like the whole movie screen is just his face yeah for almost the whole movie so there's no hiding there's no mask there's no you know cg superhero stuff like it's just looking at him Mm-hmm. And I remember say, thinking the same thing. I couldn't believe that he was not only carrying it but excelling. I thought he was really great in this. Mm-hmm. um I think what struck me rewatching it was I had the same experience of you i'm I'm a massive horror movie guy, right? So that's mostly what I watch all day. and this <laughs> one, I almost had to turn it off or like just zoom through because it's it's as gnarly and horrifying as anything I watch ever mm-hmm. and it's that it's that tendon. it's the tendon and the static sound effect. Yeah, it feels like you're chewing on tin foil or something You know, it's like ripples through my whole body. i was telling you, my children came running down. So I was like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and they thought I like had an accident, but I was just screaming. But what stru- stunned me today was that I remember that part of it. Mm. I didn't real. I I had somewhat forgotten the mechanics of how this works, because just as a an idea for a movie, this is a pretty hard uphill slog, right? I think it's about 23 to 25 minutes in our one character that we're going to have the rest of the movie is stuck in place and cannot move. So how do you keep that engaging and interesting and, and keep us paying attention, especially on a second viewing? Um, What do you think about the way that Danny Boyle navigates the, the one man stuck under a rock problem?
1: I think it's honestly I think he did it very very well I think the the big highlight for me is when he kind of does that sort of mock talk show thing when he's kind of like um this is Aaron Ralston from like Loserville Canyon or whatever he says um (laughs) and and it is kind of like it's very comedic up until the point when he goes you didn't tell anybody where you were going and then he just goes oops yeah (laughs) and it's kind of like it's this blend of like humor and like the realization of just how screwed this guy is (laughs) do you know what I mean like he spends, I, I've actually read the, the the memoir by Aaron Ralston, which is a really good book. I really recommend it. It's
0: called What a the Queen. Title, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> Rockin' a Hard what, what, I mean, you had to, right? You had to. <laughs> okay. I love that. Um. So yeah, I think I think I, I love. It's like because you know he spends most of the, the the when he's first down there just trying to move this this bloody thing. Um. And it's kind of like you can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think I read somewhere that after, like, I think it's 24 hours or something, your circulation would just be completely screwed anyway. So yeah. you would probably have to amputate by this point. Um, so I think he realizes just how much danger he's in. And I think Danny Boyle kind of presents this guy's turmoil in a very, very effective way. Like, like you're kind of you're, you're in this slot hanging with him the whole time. Um, we have a few flashbacks and we have a few, like, sort of moments when he reminisces about things, but it's predominantly him in the canyon um i genuinely think it's you know the the sound design and james franco and the the direction is kind of what carries the film um without that it wouldn't be as sort of effective um yeah i love films like this though i mean i don't know if you've seen um buried starring ryan reynolds about the guy who is just trapped in a coffin
0: That one I uh, I absolutely refuse to watch. Uh, I am massively (laughs) claustrophobic. And uh, (laughs) like my (laughs) wife loves (laughs) Kill Bill. And that's always a like, I'll be back in like five minutes. Like I cannot do that. (laughs) Serpent in the Rainbow has one of those two that terrifies me. Yeah. So uh, like that, because it's
1: like literally like an hour and a half (laughs) with Ryan Reynolds in a coffin. So (laughs) yeah,
0: well, I remember the worst one I ever had with that was The Descent.
1: Oh, where yeah.
0: uh, it's just like these very small, petite women's for lunking. And yeah. I was like losing my mind. And Amy, my wife was like, it's fine. It's a movie. I'm like, they're so skinny. I was like, I would die. Like, you know, I, I yeah, could I not did. escape. I That's one of those rare movies where you're like, when the murder monsters happen, you're like, oh, thank God. Like the yeah, other I, stuff is just, and that's what, mm-hmm. oh man. I think the movie does a, a great job of that though, because I think you hit it really well with Danny Boyle. What he does is it's kind of a twofold attack, which is. For being a movie about a guy stuck under a rock, the camera is moving constantly. Yeah. Right. So it's a lot of edit. So, because I was, I was kind of struck by the start of the movie is constantly James Franco running. Right. We yeah. start with this montage of like our fast paced lives. Mm-hmm. And even when he meets the girls, bye. And he runs away like a cartoon character, you know, he explodes out of his truck and on the bike. He's always moving at full speed and when he's stuck there's this really weird like minute or two where we're just frozen and the gravity of it is kind of settling in on him but then after that we go back to these close-ups where we're just cutting and cutting and cutting and he mixes that with this kind of theater of the mind to where it still has this real it's it's i was amazed at how fast paced he manages to make this movie yeah
1: i agree and that's a lot of like i say sort of hallucination scenes like there's one where he hallucinates at the canyon floods and that (laughs) somehow saves him um and there's things like that you know and it's kind of you know at this point the man's delirious though when you think Mm -hmm. about it you know he's run out of resources he's drinking his own urine he's not he's malnourished (laughs) you know his his minds going to strange places and i think it's you know i think we we kind of witness this man's horrible decline (laughs) insanity until he has to make that horrible decision to, to cut his arm off. And I think <laughs> what, what, what I thought was interesting <laughs> about that particular scene was not only is the amputation scene brutal, it's the breaking of the bone that's also
0: brutal because, and that oh, noise, God. is so loud, <laughs> oh God. No, but the sound design, you're right. Cause I remember in the theater, it's like echoing and it, it yeah, was so <laughs> devastating to watch. Uh, God, yeah, see yeah. I'm getting sweats again thinking about it. <laughs> but I think, I think that's the, because. I don't know I'm sure everyone who watched this movie you ask yourself like do I have that in me and I told my wife I was like no I was like if anything I would take that knife and just jab it into my neck and be done like Same. I, I mean that's how I feel personally because like just watching him and I had forgotten too so not only does he saw his arm off and it's insane yeah but there's never that euphoric moment right because the movie is so affecting and it feels like you're being crushed under the movie as well right Mm. When he pulls his arm free, I was expecting a moment of euphoric release. Like, oh, finally. Right? (laughs) Like an itch of the scratch kind of thing. That wasn't it at all. I forgot he then had to climb down another cliff. And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Do you think you have it in you, Lucy? Would you escape that canyon? (laughs) Jesus Christ. I have a very, very (laughs) little (laughs) idea same
1: (laughs) like i literally like i scratch myself and i'm like oh it really hurts i I don't know what i would do (laughs) to be honest with you um
0: see i kind of felt like him when he put his shoulder on it he gave it like the two or three good old college tries mm -hmm. and i'd be like well that's it i'm dead like (laughs) i've done all i can do here (laughs)
1: yeah no i'm I'm with you i think you have that wonderful moment and i'm just gonna bang on about how great james franco is honestly in this um that moment when he does break the bone and he just kind of like scream like laughs it's that kind yeah. of like weird like adrenaline <laughs> because at this point there's no going back because he's just done it
0: <laughs> yeah i mean what did you make of the laugh because i had forgotten about but that really struck me as well it, it's, it's just pure hysteria
1: isn't it and just pure yeah. adrenaline.
0: but it, it yeah. plays really scary like when i watched it i felt unsafe right and this is for a guy who's already like dying and drinking urine like you said yeah. but it 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 really is a wildly uncomfortable moment you know and just the way also he's not screaming and wailing the whole time he's doing it no it's i don't know because it felt like that was the final like the snapping was him coming back to reality in a way yeah if that makes it yeah i don't know that scene really got me the smile tipped it over i think you're right
1: yeah it's, it's just it kind of presents this guy's like sort of real will to live um, and he realizes that he's got a lot to live for, despite because he, you know, it's kind, of, it's one of those films that kind of presents a lot, of like a, a moral kind of, you know, reflection on like how he's behaved and yeah, you know, he hasn't, you know, kept pe- kept in touch with his family and he hasn't let people know where he's going and you know, it kind of it's all he, he sees it as a, some sort of like learning curve and some sort of like karma almost, you know, that, that he's in that situation. I think he says something in the film along the lines of this boulder has been waiting for me my whole life or something.
0: Yeah. Um, I love that part. That weird
1: moment of, yeah. Like it was like self-reflection. Um, and it's really, really poignant. Um, and you also have that brilliant moment at the very beginning of the film where you see him rummaging in the cupboard and he forgets his Swiss army knife, which would have been much easier than the knife he did actually end up with the, the crappy like multi-tool one.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and there's just lots of hints throughout to kind of this guy's state of mind and his kind of blase ness up yeah. until the point when he's like, "I've really messed up here, haven't I?" Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you just
1: you stand there, and you're like, "Oh my god, what have I done?" you know, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just it's brilliant the way that it's it's paced and the way that it kind yeah. of shows this guy's
0: mental state. Yeah. Well, what what really struck me this time was him being stuck under that rock is kind mm-hmm. of the. The concept he's selling everyone on right yeah because i had actually forgotten about the camera motif right that he has this video camera to record himself mm-hmm. and so the start of the film was strange compared to how i remembered it because i was like so he's out here to be on his own to escape this clustering bustling metropolis life right mm-hmm. but i was like he's still filming it all himself right so even if he doesn't have someone with him there's a narcissism and a hey look at me i'm different i'm better i'm separate there's something strange about the camera this time and Mm -hmm. even when he meets the girls right it's the same thing like i know there's the way the tour guide says and then there's the way i can show you the cool way right when they go Mm -hmm. swim in the lagoon Mm -hmm. and it gets to this he loves it out here so much but by taking all that video and being a tour guide he would also be bringing people out so i think there's this journey of him he wants it to be about him the american superman as he calls himself or whatnot yeah but when he hits that rock you're like, that's what he's supposed to be out here doing, right? This is a man who is completely brought still and just forced to sit amongst nature and ponder, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's almost this this weird wish fulfillment, right? Like the rock has been waiting on him. The way he rubs it on the way down and almost pulls it down, it's like rubbing a lamp. And yes. in a weird, dark way, he got what he wished for, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. I think, you know, he's very open in, in, the, in the book as well about the fact that this was kind of... You spent basically all of this time reflecting, <laughs> and I suppose you would, wouldn't you? Because yeah. what
0: else have you got to do? <laughs> um, yeah, you, you do know? like five hours of screaming and cursing, and then you got to think about something.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you just be like, I'd probably be like, why, why is this happening to me? Come on, like, you know, like I, I'm the kind of person that always tells people where I'm going. Like, I'm, I'm just it's like, just drilled into me. Yeah, <laughs> so I can't relate to to Aaron at all as a character. I'm not that spontaneous. <laughs> I. I'm not a thrill seeker. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't just bugger off and not tell anybody where I've gone. (laughs) You're not
0: one of those is the girl's column, him. No, no,
1: exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm not a thrill seeker at all.
0: (laughs) No, and it's funny too, because I kept thinking, I was like, where's the thrill, right? Like, it doesn't seem as thrilling. It's, I like the concept of the peace, right? Like the going out in peace. Like when I used to live in California, we would go to Joshua Tree. And mm-hmm. it's kind of desert like that, but you would just go out there to partake in substances, right? And you would yes. have those moments where you're under the stars and you're like by a cactus. You go, like, oh, God, what? <laughs> like, so you feel so isolated and pulled from civilization. I get all that. I don't feel like that's what Aaron was doing there, right? And I think this is what I think is funny, too, because I was thinking about the movie again as I was watching it and why Danny Boyle was such a great choice. hmm I feel like there's a version of this movie where they just focus so much on the meat of Aaron, right? Yeah. Where it's, oh, his body's smashed and he's got to break a bone and cut an arm off. That was mm-hmm. such a small part of this film, right? What Danny Boyle gets at so well is while this man is stuck and it's hard to watch and this and that, we're really going through his soul, right? This is kind of a Christmas carol in a way where it's this man who is forced to sit and like he said, right, he's always been running towards his boulder. He has to sit and, you know, we ponder his ex-girlfriend, the way he treats his parents, mm-hmm. that moment with him and his dad that may have set him on this path. And did he really learn? So I think that that focusing on the soul of Aaron is what really makes this movie so much better and more watchable than just a normal survival movie. What did you uh, take away from the, these kind of bits?
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, you know we really it, we have really strong feelings towards aaron you know i think at first we're kind of like oh this guy's a bit of a jerk to be honest this guy's a bit of a narcissist you know, <laughs> you, know you do think that about him because he's yeah. kind of you know, he's shown off you know, with the women that he meets and he's just sort of trying to be the, the big guy and whatever but then the, the canyon and the boulder kind of reminds him of of his mortality and the fact that he's not invincible and the fact that you know, he will die one day. And I think that terrifies him because, you know, he realizes that he's kind of got all these estranged relationships that he needs to fix. And yeah, it's it's a big kind of tip and point for both the audience and for Aaron because we ultimately just feel sorry for him.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: you have a lot of flashbacks, you know, when he's kind of, I think that's, you know, he's, he, he was playing the piano at some point, and, you know, there's like moments with, with his like family and and he hallucinates about his own son as well, like future son that doesn't even mm-hmm. exist. Um and the kind of, you know, the if if he died there and then he wouldn't be able to have a family. Uh yeah. it's 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 intense. You you go on this really, really intense psychological journey with him. Um and it does it well given the fact that it's such a complex kind of situation in such a small space of time. Cause you know, the, the film it's it's not like massively long, you know, but we we go through a lot in the time that we are there. Yeah. Yeah, I Well, think that's the thing incorrect. too, is the audience,
0: you're so desperate to get out from under that rock.
1: You are. I yeah. don't think
0: you can make this be a two and a half hour long movie, right? People wouldn't <laughs> sit with you. Uh, yeah. yeah, some of the things he did that struck me, right, was um, the first night when he gets his little loop so he can kind of take the weight off of his feet. Yeah. And Aaron has this like, oh, that's nice. Or when he gets the sun on his foot for the first time. Yeah. And there's like there's a euphoric happy moment. So there are all these moments where we see him failing, right? And every time he hits that dull blade on the rock to chip it. And we, it's kind of like the Titanic, right? When you see that movie, you know where it's going. And so it's, it's, where can you still get those emotions along the way, right? On this inevitable journey. And every time he chips the knife, you're like, oh, it's going to be harder in the end and it hurts. But then when he, you know, it's, it's raining or it's cold and he makes his little blanket and he's like, oh, that's not bad. There are all these small moments of victory for him that really make us, Feel right, like oh, good for him. Like he made it another minute, so that when those inevitable rougher things happen, I think we have enough s- stomach to get through it, right? Because if you don't care at all about Aaron, I would have just run out of the theater, honestly, because it it is horrifying to watch.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I have a question for you, actually. I know you said that you're you're a horror fan too. Yes. Um, you know there's quite a lot of gore in, in horror mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think in this particular instance it was it bothered you more because it really happened as opposed to like fictional kind of gore do you think that had an impact on how you viewed it
0: yeah I, I think it's not on. I mean definitely for sure right like if you watch something like let's say Nightmare on Elm Street right yeah there there is a level of fantasy that I can put between myself and that right mm-hmm. or if I watch Friday the 13th you're like I don't go to camp. I'm not going to get killed by Jason or live (laughs) in Manhattan. I'll be fine. Right. And Mm. so you can space yourself out. the the horror gore that really bothered me is something like a hostel, right? Where it's, it's another person inflicting this just cruel and it feels real. And it feels like something that could happen. This one's extra scary because it feels like nature is taking back from him. Yeah. Right? like, and, it, and the fact that he has to do it to himself, which then makes us, the audience, say, could I do that? Would I want to race back to my children? Or would I say, hey, this is too hard. Daddy's out. You know, yeah. so it's not only the pain, but it's all the subconscious questions mm-hmm. you have to ask. Like, right before he falls, there are these great close-ups, right, as he's running through that tight canyon, where he's dragging that arm along the, the smooth rocks of the canyon, and it's another like you said of the swiss army it's this foreshadowing of he has this kind yeah. of intimate relationship he feels like the master of this place and it's um yeah i don't know i i think this one this is way worse to me yeah. than almost every horror movie i've ever seen right like i remember <laughs> being in the theater and seeing human centipede and being like well the that's <laughs> yeah, right." i was just like this will be a great thing for me and my wife to do and it was not yeah but but you're just you see that and you leave the theater and you're like well that's it that's got to be the bar right like it's not going to be weirder or worse than that Mm -hmm. and something like this comes along in a non-horror movie and it just it it flattens you Mm -hmm. you know and i think again i go back to it's that it's that goddamn sound effect it's that (sighs) staticky sound effect with the tendon that and he does it like four times i remembered it once it's like four times and i oh that part absolutely just made me want to like jump out of my room <laughs>
1: it's, it's like the um the video game operation isn't it you know when you decide yes. <laughs> at you that it's, little it's bastard like that. yeah and you're like Fuck. like yeah and it's like even when he just prods it and then he kind of winces even that gets me and i'm like oh and then when he actually rips it out i'm like oh god it's just it's bad oh. <laughs> you think
0: oh yeah i'd forgotten the scene where he tries to cut his arm off before where he starts playing with the tourniquet and he's just letting us know the knife's not sharp enough
1: yeah just
0: dragging it across his skin Mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing i was impressed with right because this was the second time i'd seen it now and so i just kept wondering in my head like this can't work a second time right once Mm -hmm. you've been through it this movie cannot possibly work (laughs) And it does because I, I think it's those foreshadowing moments, sure. right? Where the the way that he pulls us up and yanks us down emotionally will always work for me. Like, here's a moment I had forgotten that fucking floored me. Mm. I forgot when he was about to jerk off. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had absolutely I was <laughs> I was like screaming at my teeth, like, what are you doing? You're like, I guess it's understandable. It's I've been through a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you can't lose fluids. What are you doing? This is, creep-. you know, what I mean. Like, it's just this insane head. And I think that's what it does. You're always in this mm-hmm. fucking mad headspace. You cannot ever get your feet on the ground.
1: Yeah, and I think it's 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 funny that you mentioned that particular scene because as as funny as it is, and it's kind of played for like laughs a little bit. Like it kind of it kind of shows you just you know like it, it was such a humiliating moment for him, and we kind of see him in his most like tragic moments when he can't even do that. <laughs> yeah without risking his life and it's just you you know all these decisions that he makes and you're drinking his own urine and stuff it's just it's just so uncomfortable for us as as viewers to watch because you're like oh you know but it's it, it was a necessity for him yeah um and yeah it's just all these little details and all the things that he tries to do it's i'm happy that they were included because it kind of shows how human he is mm mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact that he comes off as a bit of a prick <laughs> yeah but and that's the, that's the tightrope
0: you have to walk right is even if he seems like a prick we have to be really rooted with him so sure. that we can suffer that you know two to three minutes of the movie mm-hmm. like one of the scenes that I, I was really struck by how much it meant to me was when he's filming himself and I think it's the first time he's starting to realize like oh shit like I'm probably not getting out of here
1: mm-hmm.
0: is when he flips the viewfinder away And he's like, it's freaking me out to see myself because it's right at that pivot point of the movie where now he's not like taking pictures like, hey, I'm cool guy out. You know, Mm -hmm. where are you? That rise and grind shit that I hate. Right. When people hashtag rise and grind. It's like, shut (laughs) up. Let me sleep. (laughs) Right. They're just like braggadocious about it. Now he's not doing that. He's stuck and he's scared and he sees fear and human on his face. He's not this American superhero anymore. Mm -hmm. and he turns the camera because he still wants to record and say something and have a connection but he can't stand to see his true self and I was like that scene perfectly captures what I think this movie does so brilliantly
1: yeah no I I love the fact you've pointed that out because it's a it's a really good observation like the fact he can't even stand the sight of himself at this point um and it's kind of like I say, it's a lot of harsh self-reflection. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose if you were down there, you know, you you would change physically quite a lot. You would look you would look like shit, wouldn't you? you yeah. Know, you, haven't, <laughs> haven't eaten, you haven't slept. You haven't done anything that you normally would do. You're drinking your own urine. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna look good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's the, the kind of the, the work they do on James Franco as well. You know, like the, the makeup as well. Like when he comes out of there, and he's just pale. And you know, and, and obviously, obviously, the arm special effects is fantastic too. Um, I mean, bloody hell! <laughs> but just you know, the attention to detail, like you know, the kind of the the just it just looks dead. It looks like a zombie. Like mm-hmm. the work of do on him is brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I I really really can't fault this film in terms of the way it's being put together. You know, especially like especially all the the effects and and the practical effects. Um, not not even just the graphic stuff, but just the little intimate details of of Aaron's like sort of you know like dark circles and stuff. Like it's it's really well done. Um, yeah. And he he just looks completely defeated
0: (laughs) yes no and I think it's just this it's this constant humbling like you're saying but Mm. I think something Danny Boyle does really well too is I think his style works exceptionally well for this right Mm. um those extreme close-ups right like when he stabs himself and we go in and see the knife hit the bone yeah right or when one of them I really loved is when we go inside the camera and we're watching Aaron from inside the camera right it's these okay. little tiny escapes from us so that we're not suffering as much as Aaron, right? We're pulled out of that cavern for a second, even if we're like the magic school bus, right? Where it's like you shrink down, you're in a bloodstream, or you're in a camera, but you're just pulled out for just a second. So that when you come back, the weight of that resettles on you. So I think it's it's this constant roller coaster ride for a movie that is begging for stillness. And I think that is so just insanely well done. Like the one that uh him watching himself lose it and start to scream,
1: mm.
0: right? When he's like, help, help, help. Yeah. And then he rewinds it on the camera to watch it again. And he just is like, don't lose it. Mm. In a moment that's pretty fucking understandable why he's screaming and losing it, right? But he sees it not as like, a, oh, I was trying to get help, but oh, look at how pathetic that is. Mm. I think he's more mad. That he had to see himself asking for help exactly and yeah. it's crazy that's a that's a horrifying thought
1: <laughs> and th- that's a big part of like his overall problems so though he doesn't want help he doesn't want you know to kind of leave a note or leave a voicemail he doesn't like, gonna go oh, i'll just be independent I'll oh, screw it and it's like no <laughs> that's not how life works you need you need somebody you need you know for reasons like this <laughs> yeah. people need to be aware of what you're up to um and it was yeah. I'm I'm glad you mentioned this sort of like almost taking us away from the situation because there's there's bits with like his camelback when he's like drinking water and stuff where we go inside the camelback as well to sort of show just how little water is left, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a really effective use of uh oh, <laughs> we're getting yeah. less and less water at this point. <laughs> or the one
0: do? where the urine is slowly creeping oh, towards yeah. us, and you're like
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Danny Boyle loves his uh, gross close-ups. <laughs>
0: Yes I wouldn't say this is as gross as train spotting, but yeah, this one it works really well. <laughs> it's not as uh, visceral. Um, what did you walk me through a little bit what you took away from his his reliving of his his relationship? Because I thought this was fascinating and that it didn't feel I don't know, I don't want to say it didn't feel earnest, right mm-hmm. but it felt like a relationship that was somewhat doomed yeah but he was now relitigating it and living through it as if it was his reason to live mm-hmm. uh what did you make of this bit of the movie?
1: It's an interesting scene, isn't it, because it's very different in tone to the rest of it um, mm. like you say it's exceptionally bleak yeah um I don't know like you know i I don't really like to criticize just for the sake of it, but I'm not sure if I would have put that in like if it was my film yeah. Um, I did. I don't think it needed to be there. However, you know, it kind of gave us a little bit of insight into his previous relationships and, like you say, were, were they just doomed to fail from the start? You know, and I think yeah. Aaron. Aaron clearly has a lot of issues going on, <laughs> um, unaddressed issues, and you know his kind of need to just be independent and not rely on others, and his his difficulty kind of showing any sort of of real empathy or or whatever is is quite evident. Um, it, it, it's it's an all right scene. Um, I just, like I say, I don't know if I would have put it in to that extent, because yeah. it's it quite jarring, actually, when you think about it, because it's so different.
0: Yeah, and um, it comes after we've done a bunch of the Scooby Doo fantasy and the party with the yeah, girls yeah. we had just met, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that one well, too. So like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we had just met these other girls, right? So him like forecasting out what the party would have been like and this and that, that seems very logical to me. Sure. And then we do, you know, he wasn't very kind to his mother. That seems like a very logical, like even watching the movie I was like, I should be better. I talk to my mom almost every day. Mm-hmm. I know she listens. She's my only family member that listens. So, oh. I love my mom. I'm a mama's boy, but <laughs> but I would relate, right? Like being like I could have done even better. And then about halfway in we just add this this woman, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the child, right? This this is maybe the ghost of Christmas futures right or whatever but it's strange because their relationship is you watch it right so they meet in a car full of like handsome naked people in a snowstorm (laughs) and he's like this is what a relationship will always be right that's what I took maybe it's like the old married guy talking you're like (laughs) I remember that it's not always that day but the scene she talks to him where she's like how can I get in there what's the combination Mm. I thought that was a really important telling moment right right Sure. Is that even when Aaron has someone or someone wants to be with him, he can't let anyone close. And then the devastating scene in the the basketball game, right? The Utah Jazz, mm. uh, where even in this crowd of all these fucking people, right? They're just sitting there miserable. And all he wants to do is not be with her. He wants to be alone. And when she leaves, she even says that, right? You're going to be lonely, Aaron. Yeah, And I always love moments like that. Like Highlander has my favorite movie, Highlander, right? Where it swoops in and he's at the wrestling arena. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I love the movies that capture that even in a really emotional crowd, right? When you're in a big sporting event, it can kind of take on this like blob organism thing. Yeah, but sure. even in that, you just see that one person who's outside of that and has no interest for that and can be lonely in a crowd. I I thought that was a really cool scene I'm with you I don't know if it was the most pointed way Mm -hmm. to get this through about Aaron but it does culminate in the he runs up to her apartment after the rainstorm dream I believe right yeah and he's trying to talk to her in this rushed way and no words come out and she slowly just closes the door in his face yeah so for that moment that's Aaron in his mind writing a story where he can't fix it and maybe knows that he's not worth it for her, so mm-hmm. I thought maybe if not for just that her closing the door on him in his moment of like imagined triumph, maybe just that part it was worth the time.
1: Yeah, that that was yeah. I think that that bit stuck with me the most. I think is just the kind of just the final closing on like the nail in the coffin, if you will. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, sort of you know it's pretty bleak, but yeah, just sort of like you know <laughs> like this is this is like dead in the water now at this point. And you know we you you. you you've blown it (laughs) yeah um and I I, you know I I, I'm in two minds about this kind of scene actually because you know he does go through a lot of sort of thoughts and and you would you know your your thoughts race on a regular day when you're just going about your business so like if you've got nothing else to do then like you're going to be thinking about everything (laughs) um and yeah I just yeah I think the scene that gets me the most is is all these kind of hallucinations of this future son I think they're exceptionally effective
0: yeah what, what what stuck out about that to you i I thought that was a an unusual element to add to the movie uh what what jumped off the screen about that
1: it's just yeah it's this sort of you know i think you know i I don't have children i you know I would like to have children in the future um but I think you know if if I was in a situation where I felt that I could not have them, I may grieve for a child that I would never have you know psychologically, mm-hmm. and I just think that it was a very poignant way of saying. If I die in this canyon, I will never have the chance to be a father. That's what he's thinking. If I, you know, don't get out of here, I will never, you know, be able to hold my son or or teach him things or have these sentimental moments. And it kind of, it seems almost out of character for Aaron to want that, to want a child. Yeah. Um, But you think, you know, some people have that drive in them. Some people really want children. And maybe deep down he was like, "Oh man, like I, if I want to have a child, I'm gonna have to, you know, be a better person and get out of here and live my life."
0: Yeah. Step one: chop my arm off. Step two: yeah. stop being an asshole. Yeah. Step <laughs> three: <profit>. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know what? You you said something in that that really just stuck in my mind, which is, yeah. if you pair that moment with the scene we see with his dad. Mm-hmm which is just a lovely bit right this dad who's up and he's all buttoned up he's put together you can tell he's been up for a long time and he's so excited to just go share this view with his son yeah and now that piecing together what you were just saying with that image i think that's what aaron's missed in a way he's kind of bastardized this experience Mm -hmm. where he thinks these canyons are for him they're his to show off they're his to own Whereas for his father, he couldn't wait to wake his son up and share that moment, right? So I think maybe there's a part of Aaron that's like, fuck, I missed the whole point. Because I think that's something we all do when we have kids is on your worst day, right? Mm -hmm. It gives you something to keep fighting for. And also you look at them and you're like, God, I just, I hope that I can do just enough to where they can do better than me, right? Mm -hmm. So I think maybe those two kind of motives together, or what gives him that final push?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think he just realizes that, like you say, you know, he was probably reflecting on his own relationship with his own father. But ultimately, he just wants to continue living. Clearly, yeah. he clearly wants to have a life. He wants to have a future, um, and a, a son may or not may or may not be in it. And funnily enough, he does go on in the future to have a son, um, yeah. which. Which spooks me, to be honest. I find that very scary. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, the prophecy. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's sweet, but also quite creepy. The fact that he did have yeah. a little boy.
0: <laughs> I think we all do that, though, as parents. When you start thinking, because you see those, like, blurry, you know, I forget what they're called now, the, where they put the gel on the tummy and you see them. Oh, God, I can't believe it. Ultrasounds.
1: Ultrasounds, yeah. <laughs> and you're
0: like, oh, my God. All I think about is horror movies, right, when I see ultrasounds. And oh, so you're but- like, they're like these little black dot mutant things, right? And they're inside of my wife. And so you do start <laughs> having these dreams about like, what the hell is that kid going to look like? What's he going to do? <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully Aaron's kid was not a mutant, but um, there's something else I just thought of. God, see what you're saying is tricking all the, or ticking all these boxes with me now. Mm. Right at the end when he was recording the, the farewells, right? He says, "Uh, you know, to my parents, we had some good times. And to my mom, I I wish I would have answered all your calls. I love you. He doesn't say anything to his father in that bit. Yeah, I was like, am I to glean that he just knows him and his dad are rock solid, or was there something? Maybe there was some falling out that sent him running off into the wild on his own.
1: Yeah, that's never really answered, is it? Um, no, and I yeah. can't because it's been a it's been a long time since I read the book, so I really I don't know if that's mentioned in there at all yeah um but there seems to be a lot of focus on his mom like you know we see like in the very beginning of the film like all these voicemails he's just not replying to and all these, you know and it's it's sad isn't it
0: well especially that voicemail because at the start of the movie you're like yeah good for you like run out of there don't be a part because Danny Boyle does the three separate screens right of like fast-paced life You're like, yeah, get out of the city live your own self. (laughs) And so the running away from the answering machine, it's like, yeah, don't let the real world encroach on your good time. By this point in the movie, you look back and you're like, God, I bet I would give anything to be answering that phone, right? Mm -hmm. It's a really beautiful just what if that kind of wafts through the rest of the movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Yeah, it's... um... It's kind of, it's what kind of proves that Aaron is such a complicated character too, right? (laughs) Because like you say, part of you is like, yeah, Aaron, live your life. And part of you is like, just just talk to your family for God's sake. Yeah, fucking talk to your mom, Aaron.
0: (laughs) Well, I think what's really cool too is that Aaron seems like the least complicated character, right? He seems like this completely easy to read, you know, guy who is all about himself, whatever. I think what the movie shows us by the end is that even a character that seems completely readable and two dimensional at the start has these depths in them that we all do. If we can sit quietly enough and where I guess it's brave enough to go that deep, I guess he doesn't have a choice per se, but how Mm -hmm. many of us really ever stop in our day and are like, I'm going to really examine my bullshit and see if I'm, you know, being honest and doing better. And I, I think Aaron becomes, this more uh, nuanced character by the end that I I would not have imagined at the start of the film.
1: No, no, I agree. I think it's it was almost like a sort of this Boulder needed to slow him down because mm. he was running at a hundred miles an hour constantly, like just not not step and kind of even smell the flowers, just right hundred percent, just run, run, run. Um, yeah and I think you know like you say outside of therapy we tend to not reflect on these things at all because well, our lives are so busy um and, and that boulder was almost like therapy for Aaron but like more like self-reflection yeah um, yeah it's it's an intense film and it really kind of it packs a lot in like I said like it really deep dives into this man <laughs> to the point where you almost feel like you shouldn't be there like you kind of feel like you're kind of intruding on this month yes sort of. you know,
0: it's a very <laughs> there is a, a very creepy voyeuristic yeah thing because also it's it's one of those films where because he says it at one point he's like if I had this and this and this and eight burly men and so as a viewer you're like god if, if I was there I bet I could help yeah and so there, there's a helplessness that's built into us which makes us feel where I don't know uh here in the midwest of america yeah we all have this uh like kindness complex where okay. our biggest fear is that someone will tell our neighbors or our parents that we're rude so everyone <laughs> has this i don't want to say it's false but we have this performative kindness and manners right and so maybe that's what was happening when i was watching it but i was like i wish i could help him but <laughs> you know so yeah. it's that that helplessness mixed with just it does seem like there's no good outcome for this man right mm. and and even in a film where we know the ferocity of what's about to happen, it still felt like watching it again, yeah. that he was just going to die under that rock. Right. Yeah. He even wrote RIP Aaron. He scratched it on the stone. And so a part of me is like, Oh, maybe in this viewing, he dies. Maybe I remembered this wrong. <laughs> right. I know it's, it's intense. Like you say, because even though you you do know the
1: outcome, everybody knows the outcome. It's a very, very famous film. Even if you haven't seen it or you, you know you, you know about the case and you know what he does <laughs> yeah so it's very rare that you'll go into a film knowing the outcome and yet yeah. still be on edge
0: <laughs> throughout yeah. the whole thing <laughs> do you know what I mean like you. yeah just, like and it, it's, it's funny better. too because most films we probably can forecast True. but it feels like there's some wiggle room this movie there's only two answers Right. Yeah. Either he dies under that rock or he gets out Right, and you kind of can assume mostly what you think is going to happen. So, yeah, it's there's less options for this movie, but I, I think it by turns still becomes. You never really see coming what's happening in this one, I feel like.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I can get that. I think some of his decisions are kind of. Crazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what, when he like stabs himself in the arm, like, like you mentioned earlier um he just him, just rams it in there and you're like what
0: are you doing like it's yeah. mental oh like, and then he he drinks the blood too i forgot oh. about that it just shows you this kind of ravenous nature man he's becoming
1: <laughs> yeah he's so so desperate at this
0: point yeah he's... man <laughs> let me ask you about um what did you make of aaron stopping to take a picture of the boulder and his arm before he goes for help
1: yeah that, that, that's interesting um it's
0: <laughs> that picture is actually in the book it's horrible is it he really did that yeah what? i thought that was like a movie symbolism moment yeah, so fuck?
1: i i don't actually have the book to hand otherwise I've, i should have brought it on with me i'm damn. The <laughs> <Goodbye>, my pet <laughs> i don't know where it is well, in in the book, yeah, there's like a kind of like centrefold with all the different like things in it, Um and there's a bit where you can just see his arm and just the blood just all the way up the wall. It's horrendous. Um, I don't know if he did that to sort of prove to the authorities what happened, or if he just did it to document it in the case that he did die, Um, because he does do- he documents a lot. You I mean he takes a picture on the first day of just his arm as well. Um, but at the same time, there's also Aaron's weird narcissism as well. So I don't know if that's got anything to do with it.
0: Yeah. Um, He's like, I'd this like will look movie good movie. in my publisher submission. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, all the pictures you see in the in the film, they're, they're, in, the, they're in the book. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> wow. I thought that was an artistic license moment because I kept pondering, what is he satisfying by that moment? I was like, is this one of those? It's so unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And you keep saying it. By this point, he has to be somewhat delirious. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. That maybe it's just a, is this shit real moment? Like, I I didn't know, but I thought it was, it was one of those moments that, especially after what we just witnessed, I was surprised by how stunned I was by that moment.
1: Mm. Yeah, you would like to think it's the last thing you would do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, go (laughs) get out of here, screw this. (laughs) Yeah, But even him running, because that that was, as he's running and then climbing, I kept being like, careful, careful. Mm. And you're like, there's no way it'll be worse than what we just saw. Like, relax, it's over. <laughs> mm.
1: That's it, that's it. And yeah, I mean, that those hikers that found him, I mean, Jesus.
0: Can Could you, you imagine? imagine? Yeah, you're just like, hey son, let's go for a walk. Oh God.
1: God, like, water, water, water. yeah like christ it's it's yeah and he just kind of stumbles and he's got he's like i think he has like is it he's camelback he uses as like a, a toy yeah he it. wraps it's it
0: up in a like a grocery bag and then he yeah. has a yeah like a canvas bag he puts over it yeah thank so god like, so you don't see it no. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but jesus man <laughs> but that was i thought that was a cool moment too because that's almost where the movie actually decides to end which yeah. is he sees the people through the the kind of sand and the heat Mm-hmm. and he just calls out help help and then finally he has enough strength and he's like i need help mm-hmm. and i think as an audience we're supposed to take that maybe he has learned something yeah right because then we he sits and he's calm and he's drinking in the helicopter what i thought was really beautiful is that when the movie ends again with those three inner cuts of mm-hmm. traffic people city streets um and he's kind of swimming through it right in times mm-hmm. which is a peaceful serene shot but when the city comes back, you're like, oh, now the city seems warm and welcoming and safe. <laughs> right? yeah. So I was like, what a lovely bookend image, you know? And again, I guess him like swimming by himself and then popping up and seeing all of his friends and family and this and that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is a hopeful, optimistic beat that coming back to society can be as good as he's willing to help make it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really lovely ending, like kind of shot actually, Um you know, you have the you have the epilogue that explains that you know he leaves a note now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: you know, kind of. <laughs> the first time that that epilogue came up, I did I did laugh actually. I was like, you yeah, know, now you leave a bloody note. <laughs> yeah. It's like cause, you know it's it's funny because he still he still climbs he still adventures he he has like an attachment on his um prosthetic yeah. Um, yeah, I was
0: reading about him on Wikipedia, so I guess there are fourteen mm-hmm. dangerous recorded mountains you can climb. Yeah. I don't know if it's in the state or the West or what he's mm-hmm. the first man who climbed all 14 of them. And I don't think he started until after his accident. And I was like, God damn dude. <laughs> but yeah, one of the funny that's things that's you something. mentioned, he said, I remember reading that he said after he survived uh, from under the rock, mm-hmm. he then dealt with an invincibility complex that emotionally and personally cost him when he came back to the real world. I thought that was so interesting because that feels like exactly the opposite of what the movie's getting at.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is interesting, yeah. Um, I don't know much about the the man personally. I mean, I've seen a few interviews and stuff. I know he does motivational like, speeches and stuff, mm. but I can imagine it's it's quite the traumatic event and people may respond in different ways. He might just respond in pure, pure denial and just, I'm going back out there, screw it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas some people would never, never go adventuring ever again because they're terrified of it.
0: Um, Yeah, it's funny, too, because it it leads you to wonder, not that he wanted this to happen, mm -hmm. but I was like, did this incident lead him to the life he wanted? Because I think in the movie he says he's an engineer, right? But this is what he wants to do. Somehow by surviving this, right, even though he kind of did things the wrong way, this is kind of what I think those outdoorsman thrill seeker types all secretly kind of wish for is their moment to prove that they can best nature right yeah so it's okay. almost I can see how maybe it would cause problems that he gets this perverse reward mm-hmm. right for I mean he, granted he loses his arm it's not like an easily gotten treasure or whatever but, but yeah. I don't I, I I think that's what is lovely is that Again, because Danny Boyle focuses so much more on the inner parts of this man and not the meat, that Mm. even after the movie ends, you spend so much time pondering what it all means and why and relating it back to your own life, which I think is one of those brilliant things that only movies capture Mm. in a really effective way, is how personalized it can get.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, though, but by, by the end of the film, though, like, you, you're just completely exhausted, really. And I think... Done. Absolutely done. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same with, like, I, I know I, I briefly touched on Touching the Void. I don't know if you've seen that.
0: I haven't. Um, no, yeah. Um, do you know I'll what add it to about? my watch list.
1: <laughs> do you know what it's about? I...
0: I... No, the one I remember is a lie. I think I'm thinking of a live where the airplane people have. Oh to yeah, yeah,
1: alive's good. So, so touching the void. I'll just briefly kind of compare. Um, it was about two British um mountaineers who kind of went up to, like a mountain together with the they, they have like the harness thing that you know they they're attached yeah. to each other. Um, and at one point they kind of reached this part where. It's like it's you know it's chaos and you know I think the weather's really bad or, or something had happened up there, and the guy at the bottom is unresponsive, so the guy assumes he's dead and cuts the rope and he falls, and like smashes his leg, and then he has to kind of like go down with this broken leg, <laughs> essentially. And it's about these two guys and kind of how this affected their friendship. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like a little you bit <laughs> It's, it's very very interesting so i do recommend it it was a, that was a really quick synopsis but that's essentially what it is um yeah. and i just i love the fact that these kind of films can sort of show very very kind of <laughs> emotionally charged moments yeah. among all the pain and among all of the, the obvious yeah. physical challenges that you face
0: oh absolutely well i think that's why this is such a popular genre i think the thing 127 hours does better than some of its peers is that It's way, it's much more vulnerable. I feel like a lot of these survival movies, it's a very uh, butch, macho kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm tough enough. I'll keep taking another step. I'll hack this tree down. I'll, you know, whatever I have to do to survive, I will conquer nature. And this one is, again, just like a guy being sad he didn't return his mom's call. Yeah. (laughs) I found that stuff much more emotionally engaging, right? Because the situation is obviously fantastic in that yeah. anyone who finds himself in that position it's it's one of those moments that it, it feels too absurd to be real mm. but that that extra little bit of heart and gravity that ties us to Aaron I think I think that's what this movie does I think obviously it went on to you know get nominated for a bunch of awards and I, I would imagine that's kind of the the Danny Boyle effect and the separating factor <laughs> from some of its peers
1: yeah yeah definitely I just think as a complete piece, though, it's brilliant. Like, I really enjoyed the the soundtrack as well. Um, yes. I think the soundtrack's really, really good. Like, you know, especially during the amputation scene. <laughs> it's, there's some, that music as well. It's just Jesus Christ. Um, both both the kind of the, the score and the actual soundtrack itself are both very good. I yes. mean, you have very ironic pieces, such as Bill Us Lovely Day.
0: <laughs> that part, okay, now that part is exactly what I was saying when yeah. Danny Boyle makes sure to give us these moments where franco's kind of winning for lack yeah. of a better term exactly so that we're like exactly. yay right like you don't <laughs> want to go to a soccer match right mm-hmm. and your team's like ah shit we're down two goals we've only been playing five minutes why would i watch the rest of this right <laughs> you want your team to be in the fight and he makes sure to give us those small wins mm-hmm. that make us feel good <laughs> i forgot about that song because of that needle drop hit i was like what the fuck is happening right now? This guy's <laughs> arm is bleeding out. <laughs> but yeah, right, yeah, and it, it's just Danny
1: Boyle does this so well, you know. I think you know Train Spot and soundtrack is iconic as well. Yeah, um, and you know you have in Train Spot in that scene where Renton is has ordained and you have um,
0: Perfecto in the background. He just does this. <laughs> but that's another one of those movies that's not a horror movie, but has one or two scenes where I mm-hmm. almost turn it off
1: literally because I, I think, think that's the brilliance of them watch it to kind Ooh. of educate them about drugs yeah right <laughs> like, like,
0: yeah well my kids are just old enough now they're testing like we want to run to our friend's house and they run by the street and oh, yeah. i told my wife i'm like i'm gonna get a projector and just play pet cemetery on the side of our house until <laughs> they're so afraid of the road they'll never leave our yard oh, <laughs> so I, i'm oh. teaching them through horror movies yeah
1: <laughs> oh, <poor> gauge.
0: <laughs> i know right well my mom My mom would never admit this, but she showed us when we were little kids, a trilogy of terror, right?
1: Okay. And there's the
0: scene where Karen Black's being attacked by a a little Zulu fetish doll, right? He's like, and he's trying to get her. And it's kind of a kitschy, fun thing now, but scared the shit out of us when we were kids. (laughs) And my mom, if we were being bad in the bathtub or she wanted us to stay in our room, would take a little butter knife and wiggle it under the door to scare us like that little doll and now she's older she's like it was fun you liked it and i was like no we didn't it was horrible Oh, that, that is hilarious <laughs> so see horror movie parents yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think yeah because i i adore danny boyle everything he does is just like i remember just i recently rewatched slum dog with my wife and i was just oh, weeping yeah. Yeah. uh he did sunshine right that was danny boyle
1: it's sunshine too Yeah.
0: phenomenal yeah. i mean i just i love everything he does he's so good And I think this really captures it's funny because I always think of him as the frenetic high energy director. Yeah. And this does not feel like a thing that he could accomplish. And I think it was one of those movies where he showed that his mastery of the craft can ascend. He doesn't need the drugs and the dancing and all that stuff. He can just sit you down anywhere and give you that same vibe. So if you had to give a final pitch, Why 127 hours, right? If you had to give like a quick elevator pitch, why should someone spend the time uh if they've made it this far and haven't watched it yet? (laughs) Why 127? (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, so I I would honestly say, like, you know, first and foremost, if you do want to see James Franco in a non-comedic role, absolutely really, really good standalone performance. If you want to see if you want to break from an ensemble cast, you want to see an individual. 100% 100% watch that then you know he it, it does a great job um I would also say the just just the the emotional journey you will go on when you watch this film <laughs> it's it, it's un- I've never seen anything like it it's unmatched um it's better than anything I've seen in terms of like just pure emotional turmoil yeah and if if you if you're a bit of a gore hound you're really going to like the adaptation <laughs> <scene> too <laughs> let's not pretend otherwise yes like in terms of just, you know, special effects it's to yeah. So if you, want to, if you want to see some really horrible, horrible goal, then
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah strengthen your stomach. Be ready when you turn this one on. It will catch you off guard. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Lucy. This was a great movie. I was so excited to rewatch it. I pulled yeah. a lot more about it, and I feel like I liked it a lot more watching it a second time because okay. I saw the beauty within the film more than just remembering the bad stuff. Um, yeah, would you like sure. to one more time tell everyone where they can find all your work
1: yeah of course so um i have my website which is um lucy Goes to i'm also on twitter at lgth blog or you can follow my um tv time podcast which is tv
0: time pod uh yeah that's where you can find me awesome well it's been a delight uh <laughs> open invitation anytime you want to come back and talk movies oh, thank you. <laughs> I, would love, I would love that yeah <laughs> yes well thank you so much for making the time everyone will be back the pod joins the band this month we have a lot more movies that involve uh forming a band which we all love so stay tuned many more guests to come again thank you lucy uh we will see you guys all very soon bye